obviously. On the prompt. This, this would not be the first explain. time that America's had to step in and resolve a European conflict. Oh. So, wow. Thanks so much for listening to, to The Prompt. It was really nice that we did this show. Welcome to The Prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is the 26th of March, 2014. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. This is episode number 41. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. Just me and you today, sir. This feels like an episode of Directional. I know, we're basically just doing... Um, there's some massive news in the sort of technology slash video game space that we're going to talk about later on in today's show. We miss you, Stephen. We miss you, Stephen, but we've got a ton of stuff to talk about today. Some really cool things, so I'm sure that we're... Uh, we're going we're gonna to do our best to make sure that we have a great show in Stephen's absence today. Mike, I want you to, if you want to, I mean, to power through the follow-up. Follow-up. We should go for it right now? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, this, what's the point in waiting around? We're going to do this today. So, follow-up. Um, only a few things today. So, um, a couple of tweets. Uh, one from at, oh, I'm going to try this, Skiwizam. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's right. Skiwazam. Um We we were talking. Well, me and you were arguing about uh, <laughs> about wearables last week, and we were talking about how um, you were mentioning a lot about the uh, heart rate monitors and things like that in Android Wear. Uh-huh. So, sorry that they weren't in Android Wear. You and and I was saying that I didn't think it was necessarily that important, etc., 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 back and forth. Um, what Skiwazam has pointed out to us is that um, sensor support is baked in from accelerometers to heart rate monitors. That comes directly from developer.android.com slash where. So they have the hooks in the SDK for all sorts of sensors, but just potentially the devices, well, the devices that have currently been announced have not currently announced that they have those sensors in them. Whether they will when they ship or not, we're not sure, or whether there'll be other ones that do, but currently... That that hasn't been announced, but it is part of the Android Wear SDK. Yeah. Um, we have from at Noise Pollution, which is kind of cool. N O Y Z Pollution, Noise Pollution. I kind of like that. Um, that's a cool name. Yeah. Um, as a potential reason for why the eight gigabyte five C could exist, um, he said that um, the eight gigabyte five C is basically equivalent to the four S for LTE only carriers like EE in the UK, which can't carry the 4S. I didn't think of that. So in the UK, we have a carrier that is primarily LTE-focused. They don't sell non-LTE phones. Obviously, they have a 3G fallback in non-LTE coverage areas, but they only sell LTE phones. So they haven't been able to sell a cheaper iPhone than the 5C. So now the 8-gigabyte version allows them to do that. And there may be other uh, carriers in and around Europe and in the areas that Apple's targeting that may have an LTE-only carrier, for example. Um, So this this may be an option for them. It's just another another thing, because there doesn't seem to still be any um, real reason. You know, Mike, I was thinking a few days ago, if you buy an 8-gigabyte iPhone 5C uh, and you try to install every Apple app from the App Store... I don't think they would fit in the storage. Wow. I don't think you would have enough space enough space for, you know, every Apple app, GarageBand, iWork, 
and all the other utilities they have. Yeah, because I mean, what? How much space do you have free? Like six uh, gigabytes, maybe? Six and and, and like a few. Six a few and change, megabytes. basically. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if you try to you know, to keep every every Apple app from the store, you 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 won't be able to. So that's something to think about. And we have uh, one more piece of follow up. I don't have the person's name here, so I'm quickly going over to Tweetbot to get it. Oh, this is from Seth Clifford, who's a, a good friend of the show. Good Both friend shows, of the show, actually. Yes. Um, and he's mentioned about something called Findio, FND.io, which is a new web service which has come about, which allows people to... Wait, it's, it's, why don't you tell me a bit about this, Federico, actually, because you've written about it on Mac Stories. Yeah, uh, it's basically um, a web service that uses the iTunes API to let you search for any kind of iTunes, iTunes store content. So there would be apps music, movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and uh, am I missing anything, Mike? Audiobooks. Yeah. You can, you can search for anything that's on the iTunes store, only on a website. That's super fast. Uh, it's got a responsive design, so you, you can use it on, on a desktop computer, on an iPhone or iPad. And it's seriously impressive because it's super fast. Uh, every time you, you search for something, the, the, the results come up in seconds. And especially for apps, you 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 can you get this clean layout and presentation for every app, and there are controls to to check out iPad apps, Mac apps, iPhone apps, or to even search for a developer's name and to see every app from a developer. Um, there are YouTube videos uh, into each product's description, which Apple clearly doesn't do on iTunes. And, and if you're geek enough, you can even uh, set up workflows for uh, Alfred on the Mac and LaunchTunnel Pro on iOS to quickly search for an iTunes item through Findio. Uh, I think it's Findio. I mean, I call it Findio. So. I think it's got to be. And uh, so it's seriously impressive because uh, the iTunes app on, on, on the Mac... It's not great for search. It's got a different interface that's not been updated for clearly for iOS 7 because the Mac still doesn't have the same interface. And the App Store on the iPhone doesn't let you see uh, search results in a simple list view, so you get cards. On the iPad, it's actually pretty decent. Uh, this other thing lives in the browser. It's super simple, super fast. It's built on a, on a, on a, on a technology that's called uh, Ember which should be, no, I'm, I'm not going to say it because I, I will get it wrong. Uh, so there's a page when you can check out all the web, cool web tech that Findio uses. And it was announced yesterday at this uh, event called the Ember Conference, uh, Ember Conf, I think. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, I talked to the developer. It's made by, um, is I'm just Jeremy Mack and Rianne Pierce. Yes, are, are you reading my my own article, Mike? Maybe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the, they have a vision for this web service to to become the best solution to 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 search for digital content from iTunes on the web, which Apple isn't doing. Yep. So, so it's super welcome for me. 
Fun fact, if I have this correct, I think I do. Jeremy Mack created the showbot for 5x5. Five five, oh, I? yes. Yes, he did. So it's just a fun fact. Fun fact, yeah. And our last piece of follow-up comes from a listener, Nick, by email. Um, and he's talking about... Remember last week I asked you and uh, Stephen um, what you think about a release... Like, when, when do you think Apple's going to release products this year? Yes, yeah. So this comes from Nick. As Mike noted, Apple's everything in the fall schedule always seemed oddly compressed. However, I would argue that it made sense in 2012-2013 when their announcements were essentially updates to existing established product lines without wishing to diminish the significance of some of those updates. For 2014, Apple needs to space out their announcements a bit more. Tim Cook acknowledged that that it would do so on an investor's call last April, when he stated that Apple will be pushing out new products in the fall of 2013 and throughout 2014. I'm pretty sure the words he used were, uh, and this is something that Mark Gurman from 9to5Mac says pretty often, across 2014. And so far we are basically in April. And uh, does Apple have any new products yet? No, but yeah, there's still time. And, uh, and I would like to point out that in a conversation that we were having earlier this week, our absent co-host for the day actually has gone back on his opinion and thinks that Apple will have an event before WWDC where they will announce at least something. I mean, across 2014 or throughout 2014... I think, to me, it, they're kind of the same. I think you can get into semantics, but they sound the same to me. Across yeah, but and throughout. To me, to me, it sounds like at least a new product each quarter. Which I think would be smart. And months so far, we are basically four months into the new year. So, hey, so, well, they released an eight gigabyte five C. So you know. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. You get a point. And they did the iPad refresh. I mean, I, I know that they're 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 small, but they are actual new products. Um, oh, fine. And okay. the Mac Pro did it launch this year? Like actually for sale? Oh uh, well, now we're getting into semantics for year because in theory it launched yeah uh, last year. Last year. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, do. Does anyone have a Mac Pro of our listeners? Um, I don't know. If Marco listens, then yes. He got his Mac Pro? Uh-huh. You listen to oh. ATP, right? You talk about ATP? Oh, no, I'm behind, you know? <laughs> did you see my screenshot of all the podcasts I subscribed to? Yeah, I did, actually. There was a couple of uh, missing things in there, but, you know, no, no problem, Federico. What if I told you that I listened to Bionic in the browser? I know that you don't, but what about Command Space? Where was that? I think I use... Uh, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. there's it. a reason. You, you have yes. to it, right? Yeah, because I'm... I'm with that. I can live with I, that. Yeah, you know, I just... Uh, I mean, my timing is, is limited. You know, so. I don't need you. Uh, Federica, we do two podcasts Don't, together, don't make right? me feel bad. Come no, on. I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm merely uh, just trying to... I'm trying to make you feel bad, but in a funny way. We you do two you... shows together. I can't imagine that you okay. need to listen to my voice any more than you already do. I mean, I'm basically having dreams with you. That's perfectly fine. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not. I don't have. I don't take offense to that in any way. I like that you subscribe to the prompt and directional. Do you listen to the shows? <laughs> of course. No, you do. Okay, I don't. I can't. You can't. Yeah, no. I, I have to because uh, I I want to get better. So. <laughs> Um, I just rely on you guys to make me better every week. Should we talk about for, our first sponsor? Yeah. Getting some topics today. So I want to take a moment to thank returning sponsor, the wonderful lynda.com. 
Linda has over 2,000 highly qual- high quality and engaging video courses taught by some industry experts with new courses added every single day. Linda helps anyone learn creative, software and business skills to achieve personal professional goals whenever and wherever you want. Their wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced makes it easy to learn something new no matter what level you may be at. Lynda.com makes it a breeze. You can basically, if you want to pick up a video on a computer, tablet or mobile device, you can do that. They give you the flexibility to be able to learn in the way that you want, wherever you want, at your own pace. Each course is structured so you can learn from start to finish or just jump on in and find a quick answer. They give you access not only to searchable transcripts so you can quickly find information within a course, but they also have closed caption transcripts so you can follow along with the video as you're watching it as well. I want to make clear these are not like homemade, low-budget screencasts that are done like with the built-in QuickTime tools that you're going to find on YouTube. Linda provides high-quality video production from state-of-the-art studios. Their videos include animations and diagrams to make sure you really understand what you're learning. The instructors are accomplished professionals at the top of their fields with a true passion for teaching, and they have really cool things like downloadable project files and templates so you can play around with exactly what they're showing you. Lynda.com has one low monthly price of $25, which provides unlimited access to their entire course library. They offer a variety of instruction courses for all levels that cover a wide range of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, and more. They've got courses on everything from web development, app development, database development, game design, Federico. They have photography, video, audio recording, podcasting, and so much more. Now, here's the cool part. Lynda.com is giving you, listeners with the prompt, a special offer to access their entire library free for seven days. Visit lynda.com slash the prompt to try lynda.com for free for seven days. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash the prompt. Thank you to lynda.com for supporting 5 by 5 and this show, the world's greatest podcast. Hey, Teach. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. So... What's on the docket today? We've got a bunch of really big, chunky topics. This is one that you've been wanting to talk about for a little while, yeah? Tell me a little bit about this, what we're going to Yeah, it's basically something that happened uh, two weeks ago. Uh, And it's just a quick topic, but something that I want to mention. Basically, uh, Apple rejected and then accepted into the App Store after some video game blogs uh, wrote about it. Uh, They rejected this, uh, this game about World War II because he was uh, showing Russians and Germans as uh, enemies. And um, so basically this game was rejected and the press made a big deal about it. And the, the game's name is uh, Tank Battle is from 1942. And I guess uh, the same day, just a few hours later, or maybe the following day, Apple accepted the game into the App Store. And... Uh, What's interesting to me and what's seriously, in a way, ridiculous about it after five years of App Store is that the motivation of the rejection, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a game with a, with a historical background. So, of course, Russians and Germans were enemies in, uh, in World War II. And the reason that, that Apple... The, the reason that Apple chose to, to, to initially reject this game for doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, and then when, when, the, when the company then backtracks and, and, and accepts the game, it's even worse. I mean, it's, it's, it's of course the right thing to do, but it shows that 
the rejection the rejection was such a specific one i don't believe it was uh it was a uh, one of those uh automated rejections rejections right so uh it's clearly uh, it was a human decision behind the initial rejection and then when you when they understood that it was that it was the wrong thing to do the game was accepted and what i'm trying to get to is that after five years of app store Apple is still the company that isn't quite comfortable in accepting games that cover, uh, I would say, serious, controversial topics. And they, they, they for instance, they rejected uh, famously uh, that game, I cannot remember the precise name, that basically uh, showed uh, workers in a, in a sweatshop in China, uh, maybe Mike, which or Google Skills. You'll be able to find the game. So every time there's a there's a game with a, with one of these uh, serious and and uh, topics with you know that as a as a as a, an important and powerful message, Apple seems always uh, hesitant to 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 approve it on the App Store, which m- makes me think about you know what if I'm an, an indie developer and and I want to make this game with a with one of these you know important and and in a way controversial topics and, and messages that that I want to to you know to bring to 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 players and to people can I get this game on the app store am I comfortable with apple uh, just rejecting my game because they 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 are not comfortable with with the with the theme with the with the idea with the topics that I want to cover and uh, and maybe this is the reason why indie developers indie game developers are approaching other platforms uh, such as steam or such as uh, the, the PlayStation, and uh, for instance, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, games that talk about religion, um, or just any like, app, really, not even just games. Uh, no, no, re- exactly. Now uh, I started from games, so uh, uh, but, but yeah, it applies to any other app, and and uh, so yeah, I'm just just a thought. And Apple approved the game, so that's a that's a good sign. Yeah, I don't think it is a good sign, though. I mean, it's a it's it's a good conclusion. It frustrates yeah. me that that game was actually called Sweatshop, by the way. I put it. I put a link in the show notes. To it's called Sweatshop. Yeah, it was called Sweatshop. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was created as like a, a like a look how bad this type of thing is. It wasn't like a fun game. It was created in such. It was created with a UK studio in conjunction with the TV show Channel Four here, a TV channel Channel Four because they were doing some stuff around that mm-hmm. at the time. It was a browser-based game, then they turned it into an app. Um, I just I find this whole stuff just really frustrating. Still, that have rules and stick to the rules. Don't just bend to press pressure, like, and and if you know, I don't know. I just feel like that that this stuff it still frustrates me that 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 they're still doing this sort of thing. You know that it's like we have these rules that you must abide by. Unless TechCrunch and The Verge complain about it, and then we might let your app back in again. Yeah, that's. I mean, uh, of course, maybe there are. Maybe it's. Uh, I think from Apple's perspective, it's a, it's a it's a conversation, right? They they have these rules, but rules are meant to be changed. What I'm trying to say is that do they st- really still need these kind of rules? Uh, I mean, okay, it's it's a game that shows. Russians and Germans and as enemies because it's it's you know it's the World War Two and I don't know it's just it's I don't think personally that it makes much sense uh, to maybe they should you know 
revise the guidelines a, a bit more often. Maybe they just they should. I mean, we are now at a point with with one million over one million apps on the App Store. Have they really been doing quality control lately? I mean, I'm pretty sure if you go to the App Store and look for weird stuff, you you will find it. Yeah, and and I want that's actually my other feeling about it is with all the rubbish that gets in, like. You know, with all of the stuff that they let in, the, the bad, weird, strange apps and clones and things, you wonder if a game like this is really exactly. any worse or better. So is is really a game that talks about the war the problem or is the problem all the junk that's on the App Store? I don't know. It's something to think about. Indeed. It's just... No, it's no, go on. Sorry. No, go I'm on. Sorry, man. It's just interesting that this stuff's still going on. Yeah, that's that 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 was my point. It's 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 been five years, right? Even six years. It's going to be six years in July of App Store, and uh, this wow. stuff is still happening. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> six years, it's crazy. Anyway, speaking of iTunes, Mike. Yeah. Uh, do you listen to iTunes Radio? It's still not here. Oh, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> 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 I didn't mean to. <laughs> I thought it was in the UK. So no, I'm wrong. It's in Canada, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, man. So I do listen to iTunes Radio because I have a fake, uh, don't tell it, a fake US account. It's not fake. It's real, but it's re- It's totally real. But you know, uh, I, I I won't tell you the the, the name I used. So anyway, uh, I do listen to iTunes Radio. American TG at Mac. No, no. No, no, no. Uh, so uh, I I do listen to iTunes Radio primarily for you know for for music and for the first play um, stations they 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 have every once in a while for new albums coming out. But this week, Apple launched the first news channel on iTunes Radio for NPR, the American uh, news channel, and and this marks essentially the the first. Apple's first step into new kinds of content for iTunes Radio, and NPR is offering both live and pre-programmed shows. Yeah, and, and they're also putting in some of their entertainment content as well as the news content. So some some of their like NPR has a bunch of like entertainment-based shows, um, and they're putting some of those in. Like All Things Considered, there'll be um, oh nice. episodes of All Things Considered in that stream too, for example. So uh, I-, I was thinking about this. Um, iTunes Radio, according to surveys and, and stats and even Apple press releases, it, it became quickly uh, one of the leading uh, online radio services in the United States. Uh, basically, Apple said in October that um, it, it, it reached 20 million users in a month with uh, 1 billion streams. So we can only imagine that by, by now... At the end of March, uh, there are several billion streams and maybe more than a hundred million users. I don't know. Just doing some quick statistics. And according to a survey uh, by this uh, this company that I found first found on an article on Fortune, uh, the company is called. Let me see, Mike. 
Why do I, I keep forgetting names today? Which one is this? The company is called Sta- Statista. Oh, the one that's that an Italian the... word. Okay. It's an Italian word. So anyway, hmm. uh, according to this survey, uh, iTunes Radio has, be- has become the third uh, U.S. radio service behind Pandora and iHeartRadio. I assume this is an uh, online the- one, right? Like online. Radio. Yes, online, online. Uh, Pand- uh, and the title of the survey is Pandora maintains lead in crowded audio streaming space. Crazy that so, they're bigger than Spotify Radio. I mean, obviously it's Spotify Radio, not Spotify like streaming, but still, surprising. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and and I mean, I guess Pandora is a is a high following and, and a lot of like tradition among American people. Nobody in, I mean. Pandora is a U.S. only service, but even when when there are some U.S. only services, they have some kind of mind share. Even in Europe, I mean, some of my friends know what Netflix is, is right? Uh, nobody knows what Pandora is. It seems like one of those American things, right? Yeah, because it's um, it is U.S. only Pandora. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, in 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 just a few months, basically, iTunes Radio. Built into the music app on iOS, uh, built into iTunes on on desktop, it becomes a, a top uh, radio service in the US, which makes sense. I mean, if you think about the fact that it's, uh, like I said, built into these apps, uh, millions of users have these apps. It's free with ads. So people have a high resistance to ads. Uh, they can tolerate advertisements. And if if you are an iTunes match subscriber, you don't get the ads, so it's even better. And so what what's going on, in my opinion, is that we we're going to see an expansion of this kind of different content on iTunes Radio. And I believe that NPR is only the, the first uh, organization to to deploy content on iTunes Radio. And and if rumors are to be believed, Mike. Uh, yeah. According to 9to5Mac, uh, iTunes Radio is getting its own standalone application with iOS 8. And if you think about that, it makes sense because you're going to split essentially music between music you own or music you have in iTunes Match and music you listen to with streaming, so radio. Yeah, so like they pulled podcasts out of the music app. Yeah. So in theory, and it, and it would it, make sense to pull radio out of the music app. It would be consistent, right? Yeah, and 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 I mean, with right now, uh, like I said, I'm using iTunes Radio not every day, but a couple of times every week, and I, I can see why it feels kind of cramped in in the music app. Like it's not got enough room for every feature, so it, it's basically available in just one tab of the music app, and there's a lot of stuff going on in a single screen. Whereas maybe with with a standalone application, iTunes Radio would be able to to get you know different sections, uh, better browsing features, better search features, and everything could be better organized in general. And what do you like I, about iTunes Radio? Oh, it's really smart. Like the recommendations are super accurate, uh, and I guess because I mean Apple owns iTunes, so they 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 must have a hey, lot of data. Genius data genius data about people you know they know that maybe if i'm into i don't know oasis just and think how many years they've been collecting that genius exactly. data for like because that that was always good 
yeah. the genius stuff always was able to to pick good mixes of my music for me. So I guess they're just using that, which is, I, I would assume that that would be really smart. I mean, I guess that's yeah, why it works. It's super accurate, even more accurate than what I've seen on Beats Music or RDO. And I mean, I pick Oasis and I get like Jet or Stereophonics. I pick The Naked and Famous and, and I get more uh, new wave like revival bands. So it's super accurate. So and, do you, and, and do I like you get that. music that you don't own then? Uh, by get, do you mean do I get a stream or yeah, do I buy it? A stream. I, I do get the stream, yeah. So the stream has music which doesn't... Um, the stream has all kinds of music. Yeah, but it's, it's not just stuff that you've you've bought. It's like... Because no, I, no, no. I actually don't know. No, it doesn't It doesn't know. It, it, it's separate from your Purchase iTunes music. history. Yeah. So do you, search, only, do you search, pick a song, and then play a, make me a playlist out of that, or do you pick so, genres? So, yeah, basically you have a, a couple of ways to start uh, a stream. There are featured stations in the in the home page of the iTunes radio section uh, so you can see feature sections that include like the stuff that Apple recommends uh, there's the top charts for alternative music pop music that kind of stuff there are special stations like iTunes festival uh, if there's a new album coming out there's usually a, a preview so th- these are called uh, first play so, for instance, when the Justin Timberlake album was coming out, there was the first play for Justin Timberlake. Last week, the, there was a first play for the new Skrillex album. Um, Do you have any also... interest in that, by the way? Just, just Skrillex? Mm. Yeah. I love that Why? so much. <laughs> Why do you ask me with such a, an inquisitive tone? Because I tweeted <laughs> that I was enjoying it the other day, and people were like, oh, were you listening to that? Like, it was pretty much like five to one on why are you listening to that? Oh no! I, I wish I could. I, I, I had given you my support. Yeah, I totally get it. It's it's you know especially for parties and when you got some some. Uh, anyway, you know. Do you know what it works for me when I'm when I'm working on something like working writing uh, something or like just trying to concentrate on something, like it just pumps me up. I can imagine. So there you go. I love that. So uh, there are these kind of feature stations. And so if you want, you can start listening just by hitting play on this. Uh, you get these uh, little uh, thumbnail previews and you hit play and it, start, and it starts playing and then uh, songs follow. Uh, or you can create a station manually. And um, basically any artist or song or album can become a station. So for instance, I have a, right now I'm looking at my iTunes radio section i have a justin timberlake radio uh, which is an artist based radio i have a, a biffy Cairo radio i have a transatlanticism radio which is an album based radio which basically starts from the kind of music that i get in the death cap for cutie album and then it gives me similar music or you can do a song radio so i don't know i have um this modern love radio from block party and um so you get a couple of different ways. And every time you're listening, you can vote a song. You can you can say, hey, I like this song. Give me more music like this. Or you can dislike a song, basically. Or you can quickly buy it from the iTunes store. So that's the basic strategy. You get new music. You, you don't know. You have a button to buy it right away. It's super uh, like easy and immediate to do. And right now, there's uh, NPR. Uh, which is kind of weird because it's all music. I'm looking at my iTunes radio. I get these guys with crazy tattoos and that guy for Curie and Justin Timberlake and the NPR logo. So um, 
anyway, this is how it works, right? Um, it's super basic. You can only vote yes or no. You have a limited number of skips. And uh, yeah, it's nice. I've been discovering some new music, like uh, like a few uh, like a few YouTube songs. I, I for some reason I never had listened to, and uh, I, I do discover a lot of pop. For some reason, uh, it gives me a lot of pop recommendations, um, which is nice. I mean, I love pop music, and um, so this is the basic strategy, right? It's it's a it's a channel for music you may or may not like and and now there's like i said this news channel station so where do we think that they're gonna go with where do we think uh so like do you think that apple will will allow in people like how they have apple tv channels so like they might have bbc world service radio come in there for real sort of like 24-hour news coverage they might have like i don't know um, I'm trying to think of uh, like a world, another world-renowned radio station. I can't, but let's say the WNBRFS these C or something. You know, whatever radio. I don't know. Do you think that they're going to start adding in like approved people as time goes on? I think there are two two ways to to look at iTunes Radio's possible evolution. Uh, the, my answer is yes. I think that we will see more news-like, ra- traditional radio-like kind of content coming to iTunes Radio, but it depends. If we're looking at iTunes Radio as a, as a conduit for selling iTunes Store content or for as an entertainment, let's say, service, as, a, as an entertainment strategy to just give people the content. So is Apple priority to give people entertainment or is Apple priority to sell stuff? Uh, and I think it's both, right? And um, so I think for music, uh, we, we're we going to see if we're getting a separate application, which make only makes sense, in my opinion. We're going to see more of that kind of a curated approach to first play DJ recommendations, which are still already happening on iTunes Radio, uh, curated playlists, for for other kinds of content, uh, I was thinking about when my parents get in the car and 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 to and they drive to some place. They usually they don't listen to music. They they fire up the radio, the local radio station, and they listen to the local radio station. And whereas I, I guess younger people like me, we we maybe when we're driving, we tend to not listen to to the news on the radio, we listen to music, right? And uh, Or a podcast. Or a podcast, exactly. Drive safe, so, everyone. <laughs> so, if you, if you think about the fact that there's a, also the CarPlay initiative coming around, and it's going to have iTunes radio integration, there are a series of pieces coming into place, right? And, 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 and it's interesting because... Will, iTunes, will Apple ever consider adding curated local radio content to iTunes? Does Apple care about getting local programs on, on, on iTunes? Is it, is it even possible to get that kind of radio into iTunes? Or will it be... And, and I think it really depends on the country, right? Because uh, 
in Italy, I don't know if it's the same in the UK, uh, local radios change depending on, 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 on the city that you're in. So in Viterbo, we have a local station that you cannot, you cannot listen to, I don't know, in Rome or in, in Milan. So will that kind of content be compatible with a possible iTunes radio initiative for radio programs? Or is it just about national radio kind of stuff like NPR or like in Italy we have an, an, the national radio and television which is called RAI and so w will it be possible to have that kind of national programming in iTunes radio do podcasts fit into this in any way what, what do you think Mike is podcasting I really hope so. I mean, we have a 5x5. You can go to 5x5.tv slash live at any time in the day, and there's always something playing. Um, there's either the live shows that are happening or there's just a rerun. And I believe as well you can listen to 5x5 in, like, the iTunes app, like, on the desktop in the radio. There's There's always been a radio station's. Yeah, that's thing. a different thing from iTunes Radio. Yes, it is. But you can listen. I'm saying you can listen there too. I we would love it. Like if if we could have a channel or just the ability in iTunes Radio for people to just tune in, it'd be great. I mean, we'd love it. So people could listen in their cars. They could listen, you know, whenever they want. They could listen to the live stuff that we're streaming, or even just the the you know the last frequent last week's worth of shows just on a loop. Be be awesome. Yeah, but I'm thinking, why not just open the podcast application? Got to give people choice, man. However they want to listen, let them listen. Some people um, have their shows that they like, but they don't necessarily listen to everything on 5x5. They need something to, to, to kill some time. So why don't they just put the live on and they'll just listen to whatever's on, on the, 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 like, whatever's going through. You'll get me doing the news that will pop up. So you'll hear what that's, you know, they hear the daily news and you'll hear maybe some shows that you've not heard before. You know, you might hear like The Pan Addict, which is not your show, or you might find out, oh, this, I like this show, this sounds fun. That sort of thing. People do actually listen. So, mm. I mean, it's not necessarily what how I listen to podcasts. I like to make my choices and find more and that sort of thing. But it's a, it, basically the, the idea being the more places we can be, the better. So are, are you... I think it makes sense. So you're saying that maybe in the future we'll have specialized apps for content you control and like music. You have your music and you know you have those albums and those artists. Podcasts, you have your subscriptions and you know you, you go there, you, you pick an episode and you listen. And then we'll have iTunes Radio as a kind of generalized recommendation service that just recommends you and gives you audio content and it can be any kind of audio content it can be music it can be an album a song or it can be a radio program or it could be a podcast i think it'd be good if you choose the type of thing you want to listen to yeah of you know course. so you don't because if you're listening to an album and then all of a sudden the two-hour podcast about apple gets inserted in there it might not necessarily be what you're looking for at that moment um, but I think it would be really cool to have the stuff that you listen to and then the discovery service. And because I think podcasts are missing a discovery service. That's like, I mean, because it's kind of difficult. Like, how do you discover something when you have to get, you have to listen to like 90 minutes before you, you're finished with it? I don't know. But I think it would be a, a, just a cool, another cool addition, an interesting way for people to find new shows and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's, 
it's difficult to recommend something like the podcast medium where is people talking about stuff that can be different every time it's not like a song yeah. and a song is a fixed kind of piece of content you know people are either going to like the same song over and over or people are going to dislike a song whereas a podcast uh, with with its episodic nature it changes every time so you can make some general assumptions i guess when recommending a podcast to people maybe if you like i don't know atp you're going to like maybe the prompt too uh, just that's a general assumption because yeah. it's, a, it's a tech podcast with three friends i'm assuming that those guys are friends too just talking about stuff and and so uh do people however do the majority of people using ios care about discovering podcasts or is it just like one of those dreams that we have like automation on ios right it's one of my dreams it depends who who you're talking about though yes there are people but there's not everyone like of course there are of course there are people that are interested like our little corner of the internet listens to podcasts they would love to find new podcasts if they fit their interests i think but If it's uh, it's definitely not the po general populace that is concerned about new tech podcasts or podcasts in general, I think. And what if what if actually Apple is building, as the rumors say, by the way, what if Apple is building an, a music a real music streaming service like uh, Apple's take on Spotify and I Apple wish they were, but this is the this is a rumor that's been around for like seven years. So. Yeah, but it seems like it's really happening this time. So what I if don't, I don't buy it? It's one of this is one of those rumors that I will not buy until it happens. Because why would the music why would the, the music industry want Apple to own another part of the music industry? They hate Apple's like grip on this stuff. They it will basically suck all of the air out of Spotify and audio and Beats because people will just go to the Apple solution. Why would you not? I don't know because you think Apple is evil. Who does Maybe. though? I mean, really, I don't think oh, many people do. Yes, there are people, but the, those people aren't using Apple's devices anyway. But I think that that correlation is is small. I think I think it the, uh, the fact that the music industry doesn't like Apple's grip on the purchasing. I would be very. I would just be surprised. I'm not saying it won't happen, but it will really surprise me if Apple were ever able to get out a credible competing from library perspective music streaming service. Hmm. I would love personally. So would I. I love Beats, but I know I would love Apple's solution a lot more because it's going to have one. It's going to have everything in theory, um, and two. It's just going to be built. It's going to be built from the ground up, right? You know. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, like, it will take yeah, advantage of everything iOS has to offer. I mean, I would, I know, I would love it. Yeah, because if the if the music recommendations of iTunes Radio are of any indication that it seems like Apple has the kind of data to to pull this off, especially when it comes to giving people new music. Well, we know, like, if you look at Apple's history of the last 10 years, they know how to do music right. Yeah, seems seems so. So, uh, I was saying, what if they launch this new? music streaming service and iTunes radio becomes like a feature of the streaming service like the radio feature is inside Spotify or is inside audio and other other apps I guess does Google Play uh, what's the complete name It's Google Play like, Musical Access streaming there's like access. a complete addition to somewhere uh, does Google Play have a, a radio feature I don't think so 
I think it's only Spotify and radio. No, I think it. No, it does. It does have a radio feature. It does have. So you see, radio is a feature in these services. Yeah. Could Apple do the same in the future? I think. I don't want to get my hopes. I hope so. I hope so. I genuinely hope so. There's one thing that this the history of this show has shown that me and you care about music streaming services. You still using Beats, by the way? Oh yeah. Yeah, so am I. I'm still, you know, I, still very I told happy. you. I told you yesterday on Directional. Uh, I'm, I'm listening to soundtracks from video games on Beats music. Yeah, <laughs> you've gone down a rabbit hole, buddy. We can't get you back from this. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but my point is, Beats music has a huge catalog. Yeah. So uh, about iTunes Radio, we'll see. Uh, uh, definitely the Ampere addiction is a addition is is something worth considering uh, because it's a different kind of content, and and I guess we'll see more. I just uh, well, first Apple needs to to get it out of just the U.S. market. If they, if they really, <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, they do. I don't. I, uh, I struggle to understand. I mean, there's, you know, you you do a Google search for these things, and it's always like it's coming soon. It's coming soon. Rumors say it's coming soon. Apple's meeting with executives. But see, this is my this is my feeling for why I think it would be difficult for them to try and do a streaming service because, well, look where we are still with radio. Yeah, we'll see. Uh... I I would really like to try iTunes Radio with my fake account using CarPlay, but I see two problems. Um, well, one problem that is getting a new car. So, Mike, <laughs> do you think you will be able, you and Steven, to buy me a new car for my birthday? Yeah, we'll get you a Ferrari. Seriously? Keep, yeah, keep it keep it Italian style, you know. Yeah, that that would be awesome. So it's it's in August. So you got a few months to like to, to collect the money. No problem. Well, if you come to WWDC, we'll present it to you. You know, in the US, I'm pretty sure I cannot drive a US car. Well, no, like anyway. we'll you'll get it there, but then we'll ship it back over for you. Oh, that's nice. You know, it's, we're gonna we're gonna go all out. You know, we'll have one of those things like it, you you'll get like a key and like a little velvet box, and you open it, and then your car will be outside. The Ferrari implementation of CarPlay isn't the best one, though. Okay, so what, what would you prefer, a Volvo? I'm I'm getting picky okay. with, with, with my gift requests. Uh, <laughs> I, don't I don't want know. a Ferrari because CarPlay is not good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. <laughs> I mean, can you can you imagine going to one of your friends and saying something like that? Yeah, I don't want a Ferrari because CarPlay sucks on the Ferrari. Yeah, um, Mike. Yes. I think that you should talk about something awesome. Let's take a moment to thank our friends over at Squarespace for helping support this episode of The Prompt. Squarespace, they are the all-in-one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO3. Squarespace are always making sure that their platform is up to date with new features, new designs, and making sure that their support is even more awesome. Squarespace have beautiful templates that you can get started with when you're building your first website with them, or 
you can do this at any time. You can change and switch over to the new Squarespace templates, any one that you like the look of really, really easily. And they have tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. You can easily adjust color, colors and spacing of, of the elements on your page. You can easily adjust fonts and they have some typekit fonts and Google fonts built right in. Everything is drag and drop in Squarespace, so it's super easy to add content from your desktop and rearrange elements of content within a page and you get to see exactly how it's going to look as you're doing it. It's all WYSIWYG. So as you're moving things around, you're seeing them move around live in your web page. And then when you're finished, you save and publish the changes and then it's for the rest of the world to see. Squarespace also makes sure that your site's going to look fantastic on any device because every single Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. You can easily connect a bunch of your favorite web and social services, like for example, Twitter or Facebook. So you could, if you can have posts pulled in, you can maybe display your most recent tweet, but you can also post to Twitter um, automatically when you maybe post a new update on your blog. And you can also have like image services like Instagram. They have Pinterest, LinkedIn, Google, and many, many more. Squarespace also has a system called Squarespace Commerce, which is their system that allows you to set up a shop and sell digital or physical goods in just a few minutes. They integrate with a bunch of cool services to allow Stripe for payment processing. They've worked with some shipping providers and stuff like that to make us ShipStation, I think, is one of them, which is a really cool sort of like shipping solution provider. And you can integrate all of this stuff right within Squarespace Commerce, which is built in to any Squarespace plan. All you need to do is enable it. Overall, Squarespace is super easy to use, but if you need any help, they have over 70 dedicated employees and their customer care team based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week, they have super fast email support throughout the day and night, and they're really active on Twitter too. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required to do this, and I really think you should, so you can get a good feel for how Squarespace could fit your needs. And if you decide to purchase, their plans start at just $8 a month, and they include a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure that you get 10% off and support this show by using the offer code TALLYHO3. It's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number three. Thanks so much to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and the world's greatest podcast. So some news happened last night that has converged the worlds of podcasts in which we create. So it's part technology-based and part gaming-based. Facebook that little social network you may have heard of, bought a company called Oculus VR. O- oh, I thought I thought you were going to say that episode 5 of Direction was published. Oh, yeah, okay, of course. Yeah. I mean, that always converges in, in the intersection of gaming and yeah. technology. Uh, so Oculus VR, they are a company that created a device called the Oculus Rift, which is a virtual reality headset for gaming. Um, they're working at the moment it kind of works with the PC and they've got a bunch of dev kits they originally had a Kickstarter campaign to help kick, like sort of fund them and boost them off they recently unveiled their second version of their dev kit at uh, the game developers conference in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago um, Oculus VR like the Oculus Rift has been heralded as an incredible uh, device. Everyone that uses it is blown away. Is blown away by it, um, and it's meant to be something like like nothing you've seen before. If you thought you understood how virtual reality worked in gaming or just in general, you don't know anything until you you played with the Oculus Rift. Um, it works with PC at the moment, so there's a bunch of PC games that work with it, um, and over time building out partners. Seemingly out, well, not seemingly out of the blue last night. Um, 
Facebook announced that they had purchased Oculus VR for $2 billion. The deal is comprised of $400 million in cash and 23.1 million shares of Facebook stock. The only investor was Andreessen Horowitz, um, and they've done quite nicely out of this. The internet exploded to cries of why. Federico, why did Facebook buy Oculus Rift or Oculus VR? Because they believe it's the next big platform. They believe VR is the next big revolution coming to technology and consumers. From the blog post that Mark Zuckerberg posted, immersive gaming will be the first, and Oculus already has big plans here that we won't be changing and hope to accelerate. Yeah, so uh, Facebook feels like they kind of missed out initially on the big mobile revolution. Facebook had, had an iPhone app, then they switched back to having a, not a native application. They they had to buy Instagram and recently WhatsApp. And then they, last year they returned to having a native application. So Facebook wants to make sure that they, they, they when the next big revolution in tech hits, they want to make sure that they are ready. And they believe that the next big thing is going to be virtual reality. And um, so uh, there's a lot to talk about here. And uh, let, uh, should, we, should, should we start from the, the basic uh, tech that Oculus put together? Yeah. What do you think about it? Yeah, have, yeah, have you so ever tried uh, an Oculus? Unfortunately not. Okay. So it's this big, rather big headset with... Uh, two displays in front of your eyes and the the Oculus Rift completely blocks out uh, your view of external reality and you only see what's in front of the of in front of your eyes so you only see the the screens and um, you can move your of course you can move your head around to simulate the act of moving inside the inside the virtual reality and it's seriously complex, techno- complex technology because it, it requires hardware that is capable of not making you feel sick, which sounds simple, but it, in reality it's really not because uh, the moment that you block out fr- from, from, a, from, a, from, a person, from a person's field of view, the moment you block out the external physical world and you simulate a reality, you get all sorts of complex problems to make sure that the human brain doesn't basically go nuts and start... It's all motion sickness. It's all related to motion sickness. Motion, motion sickness and, 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 you know, people just wanting, wanting to, to, to throw up and wanting to remove the, 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 the headset because especially when, you, when you're moving, right, when you're interacting with, with the game, when you're moving physically to, to moving your hands or moving your body to lean forward or to, to, to step to a side. And when the movement does, isn't reflected naturally in, in the VR world, it makes you feel, uh, in, in some cases, strange. And in the worst cases, uh, it makes you feel sick. So Oculus had figured out a way to use components uh, that had become pretty cheap to, to buy and to assemble. Components that also were taken from the mobile industry. I figured out a way to, to put together those components and, and make a headset that wasn't absurdly huge 
and that could work with advanced graphics, could work for PC games. And so Oculus had a first dev kit, which was at a lot of potential, but had issues with motion blur and uh, it, it didn't have high resolution displays. And so motion blur is one of those other issues, right? When you, when you move your head in, in the VR world, when you, well, first, when you move your head in the physical world, in theory, if you have normal eyesight, you shouldn't be seeing motion blur when you, when you, when you, when you look around, right? In, when you simulate a world in the, in the, with a VR perspective, you, if, the, if the frame rate of the screen that you put in front of your eyes isn't high enough, and if the latency uh, isn't low enough, uh, you get these problems of motion blur, so it, and it makes you feel sick. So Oculus, uh, the first dev kit, wasn't perfect. Recently, just a few weeks ago, Mike, they came out with this, uh, it's called DK2, which stands for Development Kit 2, yeah. which is a, a much more advanced version of the Oculus Rift, based on the Crystal Cove prototype that they showed a couple of months a couple of months ago i think it's uh, it was a ces in january and uh, so the dk2 which uh it, it, it will it will uh, will become available later this year i think this summer probably the dk2 has much much better screens so 1080p screen for in front of each eye and it has uh, basically solved according to initial reports, uh, problems of motion blur and, and jutter. And um, it's, got, it's got a new uh, posi- positional tracking feature through an external camera. And uh, it's got, so let's see, improved graphics, positional tracking, uh, a built-in latency tester. Uh, it's got a low persistence OLED display. So it, it should have much, much, better uh, quality of the image, uh, better refresh rate. So from a technological point of view, the Oculus were, the Oculus team were iterating. Pressing on, they were pressing on. Pressing on, iterating yeah. like crazy on the product. They they hired uh, John Carmack from uh, from ID Software to, 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 as a CTO. So John Carmack is, is a is a, has a quite a pedigree, right? It's yeah. I mean, it's John Carmack. So, uh, so the, they were showing the world and especially the gaming community that they were not joking, that they were that serious about the product. John Carmack, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, he was the lead programmer um, in charge of Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, Quake, and like you know, just yeah. some of the biggest games, like especially first-person shooter games of all time. The guy also happens to launch rockets into space, by the way. Do you know that, Mike? I didn't know that. Yeah, Google John Carmack, uh, like space. Uh, it's it's kind of like uh, also works for a space company or something. It's he's totally crazy, dude. And uh, so the, they hired John Carmack and um, DK2, much improved, a lot of potential. Sony le- last week announces its own VR headset, Project Morpheus at G- uh, GDC. So there's clearly something about vr going on but what we were thinking is that okay vr is going to be a thing but it's going to be a thing in the gaming world right now it's 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 it's, it's going to start maybe as a as a kind of small revolution in the gaming world 
Sony is going to sell an accessory. Oculus is going to make an accessory that works for PC games. Maybe Valve is going to do something, or maybe not. We don't know. So there's, we were thinking, okay, VR now, it, it can happen with sufficient hardware. It's going to be good enough. It's going to be impressive. And now Facebook buy Oculus Rift. So th that was the perspective, right? It, it was a hardware problem. Oculus iterated on the product. It was it hired people with, you know, people with like John Carmack. It, it, it started putting out much, much better hardware. And then Sony comes around. Everybody's getting excited. We saw, we see the first few demos of games using VR. Everybody's saying, okay, it doesn't make me feel sick as much as before and facebook comes in so do you think that facebook's purchase right now had anything to do with the sony thing do you think it may have got accelerated because of that because i personally think that it has been accelerated because of sony's announcement there must be there must be some kind of pressure on on oculus uh either from facebook saying okay look you got the technology you're not going to be able to compete with sony or there's, there was some sort of pressure from the Oculus investors saying, look, you got the, the technology. You're you not going to compete with Sony. <laughs> you can't compete with Sony. Facebook is offering you money, good money. You got to take it. Yeah. And, and so we don't know, of course. Maybe we'll never know what really happened. Do you, um, think, do you, do you think, Federico, that Oculus need Facebook to compete with Sony? Uh, yeah, uh, Oculus. Oculus needs resources. Yeah, Ocu Oculus needs room. Long term to... resources because they have money, but that's not all they need. They need yeah, power and influence as well. Especially because you don't have the kind of leverage that Sony has. Because Sony can say, "Okay, I'm going to sell a VR product to PlayStation owners because they have the installed base." Yeah, they got the consoles. Of, they got the consoles yeah. and they got the 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 the, the fan base and the right? developers, the game developers. And, yes, yeah. and the history of working with developers, and Oculus, uh, the the kind of stuff that they wanted to do. You you gotta have the money. Basically, you gotta have the money. You gotta have a team. You gotta know how to scale because, especially if you start mixing VR with multiplayer or online play you start mixing problems of latency between the local video game that you have and an online community. So you, you, it's a very complex technological problem. And clearly Oculus had a small team and now Facebook will allow them to hire more people, uh, invest more. And this is the key, right? Uh, the, the Oculus founder, uh, help me with the name, Mike, Palmer Lucky. Yeah. That's how I keep reading it. Okay. Last night, he started basically doing some kind of damage control on Reddit. And uh, he, he left a lot of comments. And he basically, he, he clearly said that the Facebook acquisition allows them to greatly lower the price of the Rift when it will finally be become available as a consumer product. And will allow them to, to basically buy new hardware and, and use new custom, more advanced components that don't come from the mobile industry. Because what Oculus was doing was basically to adapt components from smartphones and tablets and other mobile devices to a console PC gaming experience. 
right? So the Facebook money allows them to sell a cheaper device, essentially at a cost, is my understanding of this, at a cost, and to use better components in the process. The problem is, does, ba- does Facebook care about the gaming component alone of the ex- Oculus experience? I don't think so. A direct quote. We're going to make Oculus a platform for many other experiences. Imagine enjoying a courtside seat at a game, studying in a classroom with students and teachers all over the world, or consulting with a doctor face-to-face just by putting on goggles in your home. Exactly. This, oh, you is, see. this is, this is a, a shot that Zuckerberg is taking. Whether he believes this is going to be the future or not, he's not sure. But for $2 billion, he might as well at least try and get in on it. That's the way I look at this. Because I've been trying to think, Federico... I thought I understood Facebook's acquisition strategy. Like, buy anything that gets close to competing to what we we do. Like, Instagram, WhatsApp. Like, they are technologies that were gaining traction and competing with Facebook. Oculus does not in any near way compete. So I, I feel like this is just them being like, as you mentioned before about getting in, they missed mobile, right? He missed it. Like, this is him being like, this looks like this could be interesting. I might as well throw $2 billion at it, own this, try and do something with it. If it doesn't work, it's $2 billion. Like, that's nothing to me. (laughs) So, uh, I I think it really comes down to this simple question, Mike, which is uh, is what I want to discuss with you. It's not the gaming or the kind of games. It's not that. The basic question is, do we believe that VR is going to be the next revolution? And it's simple as that, right? Mm. It's not, oh, do you believe that Oculus can build that kind of gaming experience? Or do you believe that the latency problems will be fixed? It's a simple question. Do you believe that VR is the future? Is the next big thing that in 10 years we'll, we'll do a show about the Oculus introduction like we, did, like we did for the iPhone? That kind of revolution I'm talking about. Video games? Yeah, sure. For every kind of people. For, any, for, for the human kind, do you believe that VR is the next big change? I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's... Uh, uh, I, I, I feel like if you look at the Jetsons, right? You know, you look at that scenario or those future-facing things. Scenarios in which, I, you know, you place somebody in a world that's not necessarily theirs, like you're time-traveling and, like, you know, you know or, like you're basically able to transport someone across the world virtually within seconds, right? All of that stuff's really interesting. Do I think it's going to be with these huge goggles on my face? It, it, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is just one of those things that people are only doing because they read about it in science fiction books when like 20 years ago. So now this is just what they do. This is what they make. I mean, I really foresee for video games this being a perfect thing. If anything, just so I can don't need to have a TV for my video games. I can play video games in my house wherever I am, right? Somebody can be using the large TV at home. It doesn't matter because I've got this thing on my face instead. That's great. Do I expect that I will need to see a doctor this way? I don't even understand how that could be helpful because the doctor can't see me with if I have the goggles on my face. I might as well just talk to him on Skype. It's the same with the classroom, like all of these things. I don't, yeah, sure, it can be more immersive, but I don't know if those scenarios, like being in a classroom, seeing your doctor, need to be immersive experiences. Like they just feel like things that happen 
that I'm either in person or do over the phone or maybe could do over a video call. I yeah. don't know if I need to be wearing virtual reality goggles to participate in those actions. I don't know, so, Federica. Uh, I just yeah. I can't see it yet. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot uh, last night and today. So, and, and of course, over the past few months for the Oculus and Sony, uh, I see. I want to make two points. The first one is that for I, I guess that a big technological change doesn't have to be every time a revolution to be important because okay the, the iphone the, the smartphone not just the iphone the, the mobile revolution was a, a revolution in every sense right it, it 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 deeply changed the way that people interact with information with each other that they take photos listen to music that was a, a very public revolution but a big technological change uh, not necessarily is a, is a public loud in a way revolution right because hdtv right high definition te te televisions that you have in your house it's a big change but it's not like the kind of major transformative change that you go around and say oh man hdtv has changed my life so much it's co it's, it's, a, it's a good drama point. It's, mass it's, it's a massive, massive change. It's a massive change. But it doesn't it's, feel life-changing. It's dramatically yeah. better. You wouldn't be able to go back to what you had before, but it's not like that kind of change that you that when you're talking about and you say, oh, you remember when we were using uh, old televisions? You know, it's, it's, it's different, right? It's a tech, it's, that's progress. That's not a revolution. That's progress. And progress is better, of course. Whereas maybe mobile was a, a human changing revolution. And that's my first point. Maybe, maybe VR is going to be a big change, a big technological change, big progress, right? It's going to be immersive. It's going to be better than just looking at a flat display. It's going to be better than just looking at fake 3D images. But it's not go going to deeply and profoundly alter humankind. That's my first point. The second one, um, and and I want to start from a from a tweet actually to make this point. Uh, I saw this tweet and and I saved it in the show notes. Um, again, <laughs> I'm forgetting names today, Mike. I'm sorry. Uh, basically, it was a tweet that says, uh, "Oh yeah, from R uh, Russ Frustick. He works for Polygon. Uh, Oculus has the chance to create the most social platform ever." Nothing more social than blocking all light and sound from the outside world. So that's a sarcastic tweet. And it makes sense, right? Because Facebook is the social platform. And, and the point that I want to make is that, however, is Facebook really social in the way that it's, that it's physically social? That, that you interact with people socially in the physical world while using Facebook? Do do you do you use Facebook together with your friends, Mike, or do you use Facebook alone? Do you just browse Facebook while you're home, just you know, taking a look at people's business, taking a look at people's photos? Because for me, Facebook is is social in the way that it keeps my so online social relationships or uh, a, a kind of a mirror of a, of a relationship in a physical world into Facebook service. But it's not a social experience in that when I'm hanging out with my friends, 
I'm opening Facebook and just using Facebook with my friends. Yeah, and you're Facebooking together or whatever, you know? No, we don't do, you that, don't do right? that. So Facebook is social, but it's something that I use alone. It's it's a solitary experience. And and, and from that point of view, Oculus is, is definitely a solitary experience. It's something that you, at least right now, VR, based on the hardware that, you, that we have, is clearly something that you want to do alone because you're not going to see anything from... I mean that's the point of VR, right? You're not going to see out of the out of the screens that you have in front of you. So, yeah, Facebook is social, but it's not that kind of social that requires you to be actively. I'm going to say I'm sorry, engaged with people around you. It's it's I, I mean at least the way I see it, I see people looking down at smartphones. I see people going home and using Facebook alone. And from that point of view, so is it so absurd to, to, to imagine that when you go home, when you go Facebooking at home alone, as you usually do, instead of looking at a computer screen, you just put on the Oculus VR and you just take a look at places, take a look at photos, maybe talk to your parents. But what I'm trying to say is that it's, it's easy to, to, to mix up the antisocial aspect of the Oculus and the social aspect of Facebook, but but we shouldn't we shouldn't confuse a social service with a physically social communication system. So I think it kind of makes sense for for Facebook to want a more immersive, visually immersive experience, and and you can only imagine that Facebook has the leverage and and the money for sure. To I don't know, cut deals with the NBA to go see, to go see a game with with the with the Oculus VR. It could cut deals with 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 the movie business, with the Hollywood business to to you know see movies in some kind of new fancy immersive technology, documentaries, the news. I don't. It's, it, when you think about it, if you if you don't see if you don't see VR as a deeply transformative change that all people are going to to live into this VR world. I don't think that's that that's that's seriously far down the road in my opinion. You know the kind of alternative universe, right? There are books and and movies that cover this. I think it's just going to be a new form of um, a new form of visual representation of reality. Right now we are looking at flat screens. Someday we are going to immerse ourselves in the screen. But, 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 but I only think that Facebook doesn't want to build a universe. It doesn't want to build a, 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 its own dedicated world. It's very much going to be a feature-by-feature feature approach. You'll be able to do conference calls. You'll be able to see documentaries. You'll be able to visit museums. You'll be able to watch movies and maybe some gaming, of course. Because this feels like something that would have made more sense for Google to buy. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange, right? That Google didn't. Well, there's didn't rumors buy the that they had a bid in. Apparently, there were more than one company that had bids in, and it, that may have also accelerated the deal because Facebook were like, "Screw it, throw two billion, get it done." Because especially after Sony's thing, competition for the bidding of Oculus kind of started to increase. But this is Facebook, right? Right, trying to be more like Google. Yeah, 
trying to say, oh, what's the next big thing going to be? Is it going to be self-driving car? Is it going to be the little glass device on your face? Is it going to be the thermostat? Uh, we think it's going to be VR. So let's just, you know, take this company and throw some money at the problem and see and see what sticks. And so, yeah, I think Facebook definitely wants to make sure that they're not caught uh, by surprise when their next big revolution happens. My argument is that revolutions don't happen that often and progress doesn't in my opinion progress doesn't always mean big revolution progress sometimes is just progress and, and it's not that it doesn't it doesn't have a it doesn't have an, a narrative sometimes it's just progress happening because progress happens and science happens and and people make better th- better stuff and 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 now we we gotta understand is VR is VR a, a, a big change? Is VR a revolution? Are we ready for VR yet? Because there's very much a, a stigma, right? There's, it's, it's basically ridiculous right now if you go around with, with, a, with a VR headset on your face. I can't imagine anybody ever leaving the home of one of these. Well, mainly See? because it's extremely dangerous because your entire field yeah. of vision is obstructed. <laughs> but, yeah. you know... So yeah, that, that's the problem, right? Because it's it's not a social experience, and and Facebook is the social network, and so people are trying to uh, say, oh, come on, the social network bought the most non-social device. That's not really what's happening. That's and, uh, and uh, right now, uh, I mean, of course, the obvious question is, does Facebook care about gaming? Uh, what's going to happen to the Oculus Rift device as we know it, right? Because we're, right now, all the stuff that we said, uh, see the doctor in VR, see a movie or a b- basketball match, that's all our imagination and and, and that's what Zuckerberg said in the uh, PR statement. Right now, the Oculus Rift doesn't do that. So right now, it's only about gaming. What about the gaming component? And my belief is that Facebook is basically going to use gaming uh, to see what the Oculus Rift is really capable of, and they're going to, uh, the, basically, they're going to let the Oculus team maybe just you know stick with gaming for now, but eventually down the road we're going to use you maybe for other stuff, and uh, and that's really that's the like the fear that some developers had. Uh, I I put a couple of links in the show notes to. The reactions of game developers. Notch, the, Notch Pearson from Minecraft. His is the biggest. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, he's he, he basically he, he pulled Minecraft uh, well, for they, the Oculus Rift. There was like, if you look at that tweet, it actually seems much worse than it actually was. He followed it up by saying they were working on a light Minecraft game. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like the full Minecraft, but it was still Minecraft. And now that won't be occurring. There won't be an official Minecraft game. Yeah, I think because the original Minecraft was written in Java, and so they were making like a totally new, lightweight version of Minecraft, whatever. So yeah, the the developers fear that Oculus and Facebook don't really care about gaming anymore. They just care about the big VR picture. And if you are a small development studio, if you're an indie developer, even if you're a bigger studio, you don't care about making, you know, human history. You just care about making games because that's what you do right uh i mean 
I make games. I want to know if this company cares about games for now. Maybe they want to change the world. Maybe they want to, you know, completely transform society. Right now, I just want to, to know whether I can make my game in VR for the Oculus or not. So that's a big question, right? Oculus says that um, nothing is going to change. Uh, things are only going to get better. And, I, and, you know, I tend to believe that for now. Uh, because, like I said, overall, I think that the, the new money, the new resources are great news for Oculus. Two years from now, uh, even next year, I don't know. Uh, I think Oculus is going to ship the DK2. They're going to ship the consumer product. Uh, what's going to happen with Facebook owning the company? I have an idea. I'm, I'm a little skeptical. Um, I don't think that Zuckerberg it himself cares about gaming. They, they basically, uh, I think we're going to, you know, wait and see because this is a, this is a new, this was unexpected, and I cannot see Facebook becoming a gaming company, and I cannot see Oculus just having the freedom and the independence of just doing whatever they want because now they depend on Facebook, and so overall, I think the real winner here, from a gaming perspective, is Sony. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, at least we at least because Sony's there, they You gonna... know Sony is not going to sell out to Google. Yeah. So from a, just from a gaming perspective, let me let me repeat that. From for as a gamer because again, I don't know if VR is going to change the world as we know it. As a gamer, the we I see the winner as Sony because it has confidence because it's not going to sell out because it's got apparently from the first uh impressions of people who tried Morpheus it's meant to be really good, good. yeah it's really good technology already and uh, Sony knows what they're doing and PS4 strong console strong sales so far so as a gamer I'm excited for Sony and and of course a little bummed out about Oculus Rift because you know there's always this uh, this kind of narrative of the small indie guy who had an idea, launches a Kickstarter project, and the technology is actually amazing. And, 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 and you know, you see this little studio, this little team of people, and, and you're like, oh my God, it's really happening. It's VR, and these are people. And then the big corporation comes around. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the little story, and, and you know, because you get, you get a little emotional, maybe you get attached to, to, to this dream, to this, to this vision of a company. And then the big Facebook logo, comes out with two billion dollars and you know it's a little sad uh but of course it's money and, and and when you think about it when you when you remove the 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 personal story the personal narrative from the equation of course they need money let's just be clear they need the money they need the resources they need to be able to to get better components custom hardware and because this is a technological problem this is a serious complex problem of trying to simulate a reality in front of your eyes and trying to make it look real enough not to get sick and that means money that means expertise that means larger teams of people developers does facebook care that's the problem <laughs> you, you can tell mike that, that that i've been wanting to talk about this uh, well i wanted to too i mean t- i mean i'm pleased that we spoke about it here even though it, it, the, the news broke after directional 
Yeah. But I think that I think we're both in the same sort of vein. We're not sure if uh, how VR really plays outside of gaming. Um, I think there's kind of a part of me that wishes that Facebook didn't buy Oculus um, and that it was independent, you know, um, and and you know was able to somehow compete with Sony. It's a shame. I, I do consider it a shame. I just don't know if, if uh, Zuckerberg and Facebook's intentions are where Oculus's original intentions were. And now it seems like, yeah, they'll do the gaming thing, but that's not going to be the thing. And the type of games that me and you like to play, Federico, will not be the games that appear on the Oculus. So I think that's it for, for about this week's episode of The Prompt, sir. Unless you have anything else that you would like to add. Do I have anything that I want to add? Um, I don't know. Has any new major breaking news happened while we were recording, Mike? Um, like Facebook has bought Apple, I don't know. Let me just Any double check. I don't know. Where should I go? I'll go to The Verge, maybe, see what's happening there. Or they don't, it's difficult to find out what the most... Because this has, been, this has been happening quite a few times, right? While we record the prompt and directional. Well, Twitter have done something with photo tagging. Yeah, I know, I know. So there's that, but I don't think that's that okay. important, but that exists. Okay, we're good. Excellent. We're good today. Today we're good. If you want to catch the show notes for this week's episode of The Prompt, you want to go to 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 41. So you're going to find all the links. If you'd like to find Federico online, he writes at maxstories.net and he is at Fetici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, at uh, on Twitter and I am iMike at iMike I-M-Y-K-E if you want to find our uh, brother in arms Mr. Stephen Hackett he writes to 512pixels.net and he is at ISMH on Twitter and he will be back with us next week for another episode of The Prompt If uh, by the way if you've enjoyed the video game discussion um, I know it's maybe not been full video games a bit of tech and a bit, a bit such and such you might enjoy mine and Federico's other podcast called Directional, which is also on 5x5 at 5x5.tv slash directional. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. Remember, we are also at underscore The Prompt on Twitter. And we're you can also, if you want to, email us by going to 5x5.tv slash prompt and hit the contact button. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Federico, thank you for being here. Until next time, bye-bye. Arrivederci.